All right, here we go. Right. Peace, my brother. What you say, you know, man? Man, life is good. Uh, even though we're dealing with this whole COVID situation, still making it through, finding ways to be productive, uh, finding ways to keep my mind mentally stable, whether it be reading a book or still working on music. Um, got some projects I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, or working on getting out. I ain't gonna say trying because. The work is done. I'm just I just need the mixing and mastering to take place at this point. So got you. Got you. How about yourself? Man, you know, just this this real estate thing, man, it's keeping me busy. Um it's a different ball game down here, man. Uh I, I first got licensed in Chicago back in 06 and um price point, man, it was very expensive up there to live in nice areas, nice neighborhoods. Down here is not, man. Not nearly as expensive as up there. So um, things are things are going really well here for me, man. Here, good, here. good. I'm happy for you. I'm very happy for yeah, you. Yeah, I appreciate that, bro. Straight up. Yeah, because I know um, early on, around I, I guess the early 2000s, when I had seen you, you were. Uh, I think we you were working downtown as well as I was. I think right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, That's when I was. Uh, I was selling condos in the downtown market. And um, that was around the time when uh, the economy tanked, man. Okay, okay. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go through that. We'll go through that, we'll get there. All right, cool. So let's let's do this then. Um, tell me where you from. So I'm from the south side of Chicago. Um, the crazy part is a lot of people don't realize this. I was actually born in Houston. Right. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was, that's, was, that's new info for me. That's new info. That's crazy, man. I was born here in Houston. And after a year, my folks were like, you know what? It's way too humid down here, you know, and uh, we need help because they were, you know, their only family, you know, they didn't have any family down. All the families back okay. in Chicago. So it was just the three of us, mom, dad, and I. And um, after a year, they were like, nah, we good. And on top of that, man, I got some wild stories, bro. Like wild stories, man. So on top of that, so my mom um, was working. So at the time she worked for Amico while she was pregnant with me, right? Okay. And Amico promoted her and they moved her down here to Houston. And um, my dad got a job as a security guard and they were like, look, this is going to be home, you know, in their mind, they're like, this is going to be home. They, like, they literally at that just got married um, in May of 82. I was born in May of 83. So my mom was pregnant three months after they got married and they moved down here. Like maybe she was about three or four months pregnant, had me and um, they both were working. And they like, well, you know what? Instead of putting them in daycare, we'll have a nanny because the cost of, you know, nanny is just much cheaper here than in Chicago at the time in the 80s, right? Excellent. So they like, yeah, we'll have a nanny. And I guess they put me with the nanny. And this lady tried to kidnap me and bring me to Mexico, bro. Get the fuck out of here. Dead ass. Yes, sir. Was Dead ass. Wow, how old were you? Under a year. Damn. So they were like, you know what? Yeah, we got to get back to, to the crib where family can help. 
Wow. Oh, straight up. They hired the nanny and she was just going to try to bounce out on some abduction, kidnapping and all that. Oh, so um, the wait, crazy. Wait. Go ahead. How was that? How was the uh, that that plan foiled? Like what 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 took place? So, all right, man. You've known my mom all your life. Tough. I've known your mom all my life. You know, Tough. and those women have a spirit of discernment, man. And when God tell them to move, they move. So my mom is in the middle of work, and something told her to go home. So she goes home. And um, the nanny was actually servicing like all the kids in the apartment complex, right? So she ho she hopping from house to house to house and none of the people know this, right? So when my mom gets home, um, when my mom gets home to the apartment, she saw that I was crying, I was wet, you know, pooped on myself, all of that. And the, the nanny was nowhere to be found. So by the time she came back up, the nanny came back up, my mom had already called the police. And the police told her like, you know, um, this lady has been doing this for a while. We finally caught her. Um, she usually abducts kids and brings bring them to Mexico. Wow. Yep. Crazy, bro. Wow. Crazy. I had no idea, my guy. I mean, my, that, that's mom, bro. Like, you know, she is she is uh touched by the spirit, man. And the spirit tell her to move, she moves. That's them super moms, bro. Dead, dead ass. Dead ass. So that's uh, crazy. So, so yeah, man. So after a year, moved back to the shy. And um, I mean, I was just there until 2014. So for 31 years, that was home. Okay. Um, we grew up uh, going on, on the same in the same area, 62nd Street, for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, by the time I left, I guess I was 11 or 12 years old. Mm -hmm. um, well, during that period of time, what was going on with you? Because we moved in with my aunt. Okay. So, all right. So you were 11, 12. I was 9, 10. Somewhere in there. And at that time, we were living in Dalton. We had moved to Dalton. So we out in the south suburbs. And um, that's, no, my father and my mom got a divorce in 89. Man, I got a story for that too, bro. Like I got these crazy wild stories. So uh, my mom and my pops got a divorce in 89. I was six years old. And um at six, you don't know anything about a divorce. You know, you just know dad ain't there right now, you know? So uh, my father moved to Minnesota. Okay. And um, I can remember him moving to Minnesota and he would come back to Chicago and see me. And, I, and he was married previously. So I got four other siblings. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. So he was married previously. So he would go see them as well. And um, it's crazy, like, although my dad wasn't always there, like, I don't remember, like, years and years and years passing with him not being there. You know what I'm saying? And that's because I was a rough and tumble, rambunctious little whippersnapper, you know? So um, 
my mom would try to whoop me and I would laugh. Like li literally I would laugh like, cause it wouldn't hurt and she would be in pain whooping me. You know, <laughs> like it was just, it was, it was, it, that's what it was, man. And um, I can remember uh, about 11 or 12, your mom told my mom about Holy Angels. On uh, Holy Angels on 47th and no, 39th and King Drive. And they had two campuses, 39th and King Drive and like 40th and Cottage. And she was like, uh, your mom told my mom about Holy Angels. Holy Angels, they beat your ass. Like they paddle you. And I was there from sixth through eighth grade and I got a whooping every single day, it felt like, bro. <laughs> like every day, man, like I just couldn't, I don't know, man. I was just, that's just what I was. And um, at, at one point, my mom was like, you know, I can't do this by myself. Something wrong with this boy. <laughs> like, like something wrong with him. And uh, went to a doctor and the doctor said, well, he may have uh, ADHD. Uh. So, but, you know, I own it, bro. Like, I'm a poster child for ADHD. I, I, I have it. I have adult ADHD. It just is what it is. Is it? So, or was it at the time that you just didn't have nothing to do? No, nah, bro. Like, it is what it is. Yeah. So, here's the deal. I'm just asking. I'm just so, asking. So, there's several different ways to test for it. And one of the ways that they tested me for it was they put me in a CT uh, CAT scan machine, right? And they looked at my brain waves and I'm asleep, like I'm asleep, dead to the world. And my brain waves was off the chart while I'm asleep. So, you know, it was, it's always been really difficult for me to, uh, to focus and, and um, pay attention to things that I'm not interested in. You know, that's just what it is. However, I pick up on things quickly. One, but once I, I pick up on it, like, okay, what's next? That was the situation. Uh, anyhow, uh, I went to Holy Angels and I'm getting paddled all the time and all of that, you know, getting my butt whooped. And uh, looking back, you could think, okay, well, that's a part of discipline for young black boys. You know, a part of discipline is that, but you can't whoop ADHD out of a child that can't sit uh, still. Uh, because you're not being sensible at that point. You're just thinking that that old, and I, I, I say it's an old slave mentality of beating something, beating the hell out of somebody. You think that's going to work and it's not. You need to find a, an actual resolution to a problem and beating a child, especially for black, young black men, all you're doing is making us more angry. Yep, that's it, bro. So um, after Holy Angels, I went to uh, to Thorn Ridge, but I was waiting on my acceptance to Mount Carmel. So I was at Thorn Ridge for like 30 days out in the south suburbs, out in Dalton. I was at Thorn Ridge for 30 days. Then I got it. I went to Mount. I started at Mount Carmel, and um, I don't know if you remember this, bro, but I was short. I was like hella short. Yeah. So by the time I graduated eighth grade. I was 4'11". I'm 5'11 now, but I was 4'11 at the time. And um, I can remember people trying me, you know, and most of the kids that went to Mount Carmel that were Black were athletes. So folks wasn't trying them, you know what I'm saying? Big dudes on the football team and basketball team, whatever. Nobody was trying them. 
but they trying me. Man, I was fighting all the time. And, you know, you even look at me crazy. I'm just swinging. Like, that's just, <laughs> that's just you know. Uh, you was active, my guy. You was active. Yeah, you know, and now I can understand. Like, that was part of the Napoleon complex, man. I was little, you know, so I always felt like people had something smart to say or just, I don't know, man, just a chip on my shoulder. Going back real quick, were you aware of the two years that we were gone that we moved down south to with my father? Not that I can recall, bro. Yeah. So for two years, um, all three of y'all. Yeah, all three of us. We live. We live with my pops for th- uh, for two years. All three of us. Um, and during that period of time, it, it was it was not good. Hmm. Um, it started off like it could be something cool, and through the course of that period of time. I failed fifth grade, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, the schools were supremely, well, not supremely, but they were very good. Um, oh, okay. A magnet school, that what we consider a magnet school here, an advanced curriculum, uh, AP classes. Yeah. That was normal there. Really? That was normal. So it wasn't that I couldn't do the work. It was just that my father wasn't, like, in tune with helping me do the work. Gotcha. So, um, consequently, I failed. Um, it was it was a real rough time, mostly for me and, and, and my older sister. Real rough time because yeah. as smart as she was and as smart as I could have been during that period of time, you didn't have a father who was in a, a real leadership role. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't proactive in making sure that he uh, he did the best with his kids. We were just there to be honest. That's so, what it feels like now when I look back. We was there. pops married? Was there a woman in the house? What was? Was no woman in the house at the time. At that time, nope, wasn't no woman in the house. Um, he was just so, taking care of us, and we would I would go hunting with him and mm-hmm. learn how to hunt and skin animals and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, and then when I failed, my mom came down there, snatched us up, was like, "Nope, mm. not them. I'm, we're not going. We're not going to do that," you know. And mm. she came and brought us back up here. And I think like a couple years later, or a year later. Were you, were you aware of that when my mom tried to take us back down there and the car blew up in her face? Yes. Yeah. yeah so we went, that, we went through that whole situation and he was supposed to come and get us. And when he got to the hospital, it was, it was just madness. Really? Yeah. yeah he made, he made, a, he made a, a bad situation worse. Gotcha. So, and by that time, I think he had, he had remarried. Okay. He was trying to remarry or something like that. I know they had been divorced for a while, but um, yeah. So in those periods and those gaps of time where people was wondering where we were, and we had disappeared. We had we were staying with my aunt at one point, but then early on we were uh, living with my dad. So okay. those periods of time are very crazy, man. Like like you were saying early on, like from the childhood, like there were things that we were dealing with early on that was just. Unlike anything else, you know, uh, 10 years old, seeing my first murder stuff like that. So um, the, 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 the trauma set in early on and it was just like one experience after another, after another, after another. Bro, people don't get it, man. Um, people that live in um, situations that are considered, considered normal, you know, they don't understand the traumas that kids like us from the city have to deal with on a daily basis and shit that we actually think is normal. Because when we, we go to class, 
all of us have the same experience. Yes. Yes. We have all seen the same shit. We all seen the same shit. And we all just act like it's okay and it's uh, it's just cool. Just regular It's all the time. No one's seeing it. No one's talking. No, there's no doctor. There's nobody making sure that we are mentally stable. We just, we just shrug that shit off and go to class. And that is not normal. None of that, none of the shit I saw was normal, bro. But you know, it was, it was dry. It was like an anger and a fire that was just like pushing me to try to figure some shit out. Even though I did a lot of shit wrong at, at certain points. Right. The shit that I was trying to figure out through this anger and rage, like, why am I here with all this negative fucked up shit? Like, why do we have to sit here and go through this shit and everybody's looking like it's just okay? So for me, man, I can't stunt at all, man. I am so grateful for my mother, dog, because um, my mom sacrificed a lot. So just kind of giving you an idea. So my father passed in 2016. Uh, He passed two months after my wife and I got married. My condolences, my condolences. I appreciate that, man. So he, he passed and just thinking back, like right now, just having this conversation, um, he probably worked maybe two and a half years the whole time I was, you know, the whole time he was alive while I was here, you know, the 33 wow. years, like wow. maybe, may, that's a strong maybe at the most, wow. two and a half years, bro. So like even now, right, as a, as a married man, bro, I work a lot. And my wife, like, okay, um, it's family time. I feel like I feel like I seen my mom do so much that I feel like I have to make up for the lack that my dad had. You know, I don't want my wife to sit back and see me sitting on the couch, you know, just chilling because my father was that. You know, but. You, do you see your success and the things that you've accomplished? You, you see it though, right? That's a struggle as well. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Because um, I'm always chasing a target. You know, there's always a goal or a target that I'm that I'm running after. And, um, you know, my struggle has been being able to acknowledge where I am in relation to where I came from. Um, because I just feel like there's so much more to go after. Uh, so my mom and my dad are completely polar opposites, bro. Um, father was an alcoholic, drug addict, you know, um, gang banger in and out of prison. And my mom's a minister. Like it, it just complete polar opposites. And, uh, they got married. They were married for seven years. And I want to touch on this real quick, man. That's another crazy story. So they were married for seven years. They got a divorce in 89. I was six years old. I didn't find, I always thought my, my uh, parents were separated, right? Because I would see my mom breaking my dad off with ends, you know, like, Hey, let, let me, let me hold some, let me get this. Let me, let me crash on the couch. Let me this, that, and the third. And she always looking out for him. Because it, the relationship became, you know, um, she never talked bad about him. You know, whenever he needed a couch to crash, she let him. And I never heard him 
um, raise his voice at her or vice versa. So their relationship became like a friendship, even though they were divorced, because she felt like one of two things would happen with me having my dad around. Like, it was like, okay. She felt like she was doing the right thing by not um, keeping me away from him. And although he wasn't the best, she knew that he truly did love me, right? She knew that he really, really did love me. But the demons he was fighting, the love for me or his other kids just wasn't enough to overcome the addictions, you know? Um, so she just was always there as a friend for me, whatever. Now, I didn't find out my par- parents were divorced until I was a senior in college, bro. Wow. I was 21 years old and I was applying for um, financial aid. And one of the questions is, one of the first questions, like, are your parents married or divorced or separated? So I put separated, right? And school classes are about to start. And I'm like, man, I haven't gotten my financial aid yet. And uh, it was probably the day before classes started. I got called into the financial aid office and they were like, hey, Mr. Harden, um, this paperwork is incorrect. And I'm like, what do you mean? They said, well, uh, the government said your parents are divorced. Mm. So I called my mom. I'm like, y'all divorced? And she said, yeah, why? Like, how could you not know that we were divorced? And I was like, cause he slept on the couch. Like, you know, like you gave him money. Like, you know, like, like I didn't, I just thought y'all were separated and you was just letting him hang around in hopes that one day he'd get his shit together. Like, I didn't, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. But uh, that's another thing, man, with black families, bro, is, you know, the shit that gets swept under the rug and they just assume that kids like just know, like, no. A lot of a lot of shit just swept under the rug, you know what I mean. And even I, there had there's times when I tried to have conversations before me and my, my me and my father, my pops, uh, were weren't able to communicate no more. I, I visited him for three years straight to try to try to mend things, you know, to become a a, a son to my father or whatever, it is, whatever. Um, Anytime I tried to get some clarity from him, it became a, a, a pissing contest. And it went from a pissing contest to him being so disrespectful to my mom that I just couldn't stay there. It's just like, I'm, whatever yeah. his brothers and sisters know about him, they don't know that side. Like they didn't see that side. And if they saw that side, how could you just be okay with that? You know, and, and why, why did nobody ever just say nothing? Like, this is what he was dealing with. This is the way he is and why. And it took years and years and years for me for me to discover certain things about um, how 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 messed up some of that stuff was that they were dealing with or that the that his uh, sisters were dealing with and everything. But uh, for me, bro, I tried so hard to 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 be involved in in my dad's life that I just got nothing out of it. I got nothing out of it and. For years, it, it just I would just burn. I would burn because I, I would try to go back down and I would call. And then even after I stopped visiting, I would still call. So while I'm Check calling, in. just trying to trying to trying to get to get to know him, get to learn. I got nowhere, and and one day I just finally said, you know what? This tree bears no fruit. 
there's no point for me to stand in the shade no longer. Like I got to get from under this tree. Like this tree is not gonna do nothing for me, you know. And I just I just left it alone. But but I would talk to my mom, and she would just tell me certain things. She was like, I'm gonna tell you my side, but you need to get his side of the story. Right. And for right. years I tried, and I just told her one day like he, he's just not he's just not gonna 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 do anything, you know. And I'm just gonna move on from there. But a lot of the things that I wanted to find out, at least on my mom's side, I was able to find out through her or through my auntie. Like they they opened up and they talked to me. But right. over on that side, man, it's just like it's it's like it's like a, a La Costa Nostra. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody. <laughs> Ain't nobody talking about nothing. Everybody, you know what I'm saying? Everybody holding everything to their chest and nobody wants to say nothing. And you can't move forward like that if, if you continue to hold on to these things, you know? So I learned that at an early age, man. I remember I was 14 years old and my father was drunk as hell and he was trying to whoop me or something. Like I just get my ass beat, dog. Like I still got marks on my body from my father, my grandmother, like, with extension cord, wet out the tub. Yeah, that like, I used to at one point for them until I outgrew it. And they, yeah. I think the realization was that he might actually start lashing back out. We should probably chill the fuck out. Bro, I remember I was 14 and he tried and I threw a lamp at his ass and he just left out the house. Like he just left, disappeared. And um, like, I didn't feel bad. Like I, it was, like, I didn't feel bad. I didn't feel anything. Like, I was like, if I was, like, if he was close enough, I would have put hands on him. Like, we would have just been boxing. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and, like I said, I was little, so he beat my ass. But but at that age, to just go toe-to-toe uh, with him, and like I said, he was drunk, bro. Like, he was drunk as hell. And just trying to raise hell for no reason. And I'm like, dude. And Do you he, think that could have been some trauma in his life that he without dealt with? question, hell yeah. yeah. Bro, I'm, when I say this, all right, I don't know where the hell my last name came from, right? So my father has, it's nine of them, nine of them. He's the only one with the name Harden, only one. Really? When, when, yeah, and when I asked him, don't nobody seem to understand that I really want to know where my name came from. So y'all need to tell me my father not here. And, you know, when he was here, he had like, he don't know, don't want to have a conversation. So damn, like, it's just weird, man. Like his father's last name is Davis, bro. So, so where does that, where does the Harden tie in? To my understanding, back in the day, if a woman, my father's the oldest, if a woman got pregnant by a man and they were not married, then you take, shit, I don't know, man. You take, ah, like your, your, your mother's maiden name. I think it was your mother's maiden name or something like that because, um, they weren't even together, my grandparents. So my father's father and my father's mother were not together. They had my father. My, my, my grandmother's last name was, it wasn't Riley because that's her married last name. Edwards. Okay. It was Edwards. Um, 
so I think what happened was she married someone, then got a divorce, then got knocked up. And her last name was her ex-husband's last name. So she's not going to give my father that last name because she's not even with this man. Like, it's just weird, man. And no one seems to explain it, but I'm trying to like put it, put it, put pieces together of a puzzle. And I'm like, I shouldn't have to do all that. You know, like. That's a crazy um, situation. Hella crazy, bro. Hella crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just going back to Pops, man. So um, he walked out after I threw the lamp at him and I probably didn't speak to him for a while, man. Like some months or some, uh, maybe a year or so, like I, that was it. Like, I, I'm like, dude, you can't come in here drunk as a skunk. Think you just about to chastise me and I ain't do nothing. Cause I ain't, you know, like wash a dish or something just ridiculous, bro. Like that shit is a wrap. Yeah. And uh, at that point, our relationship absolutely changed. And it's weird, man, because um, that like we started getting really close. Like we got closer. Mm. You know, it's like after he saw me as, I don't know, man, definitely not an equal, but I, I just, it's just, I, I don't know. Talk to me about this part. At, when you graduated, you graduated from college, right? Mm-hmm. Did he, did he thank you or tell you that he was ever proud of you? Oh, man, he he really always did that. Okay. Like, he always did that. But as an adult, like between that 18 and up, you know, type of shit, that's when I got that. As a kid, bro, and I tell people this, and they, like, their, their jaws drop, man. My father used to be like, uh, like, like, I'm even struggling saying this shit, dog, because, like, I would never say this to my son or my child, like a pussy or a fag, like saying shit like that to your son, bro. Okay. And I was a boy, like I was a boy's boy. You know, I'm not around here switching or, you know, hold my hand and none of that. So for you to, but looking back, I'm like, he was ignorant because his, like his mom was ignorant, like my grandmother was and like it. But again, just, I think I think part of that is that old slave mentality, right? Like they just start trying to ingrain that into their own kids instead of using logic and and, and uh, resolutions or things to make sure that their kids are okay. They 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 yell these obscenities and they beat the kids to try to put them in line and, and form them in the correct manner, not realizing that those things were done to us doing slavery to make sure that we stayed in line. You know what I mean? To make sure right. that they had. So they make sure that they had mind fucked us so yep. that we did what we were told and we didn't do yep. anything else. Yeah. And then what happens? You become rebellious. So why the hell you think your child is re rebellious? Because you beating the shit out of them. Yeah. yeah. And thinking that's going to improve something. So why would you continue to do so when you see it's not changing anything, but making them hate your fucking guts? Like, you know. Yeah. Now I think one of the best things is uh, a lot of now the big thing is toxic. They're talking about toxic energy. I think now one of the biggest things is for me after all these years, being able to recognize what's, what's toxic and what's not and being able, and I'm so glad that I'm not in the realm of that, you know? Right, right, right. I have removed a lot of people out of my life uh, who aren't toxic. Right, right, right. If they're not necessarily toxic, it's because I can't read what side of the fence they on. And right. someone told me some areas are just going to be great. Well, for me personally, I don't need gray areas either. I you love me or you hate me. 
You know what I mean? Like I, I don't, I don't want nothing else. That's I don't want nothing for else. Me too, man. That live, people that's living in that gray area, man. I need you to, you know, pick a side. Choose yeah, a side. pick a side, if man. You don't, then I'm gonna pick one for you. And that's the thing for me. It's okay to pick a side. Just at least I'll know where you stand. Right. At least I'll know, and, and it, it won't say nothing negative about you to a certain degree. But if if it's out of hate that you that you that we fuck with each other, then I understand that. I know where we are. And if it's out of love that we fuck with one another, then I definitely understand that. Because out of love, I, I'm more accepting of the things that you may do. I have to. We may have to uh, cuss each other out. We may have to yell at each other, or we may have to take a break from each other. I know what that is. But when it's hate and you genuinely hate me, I know what that is. And I know we're not going to be able to get along ever at any time. I understand that. So when people be messing around with that gray area, I'm like, all right, you play around and you're going to you just get, you know what I'm saying? Get put in a, in a sniper's view. Yeah. And yeah. I do what I have to do. Straight up. Straight up, man. You know? Um, you know, like some of the things that we've seen growing up and some of the, the life experiences that we've had, I mean, granted, I wouldn't change it because that's, you know, why I am the way that I am now and the decisions that I've made in the past have led me to where I am today. And I wouldn't change it for the world, man. I got an amazing wife and a beautiful daughter, um, a great career. So, you know, some of the things that I couldn't help or that I couldn't control, like my parents, you know, um, there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to move forward. Yeah, that's it, man. And, you know, like, like I said, my father and I, we got really close, man. Um, and it's because unlike my other siblings, I had the clarity. And this came, again, this came from mom. I had the clarity and understanding that he was how he was because he didn't have somebody to push him in the right direction like I did with my mom. And I honestly think when you when you have a, a parent like that, a parent that's like, like let's say only my father was in the picture, right? And I didn't have that positive perspective from my mom. If my dad was the only one in the picture and he raised me and he was an alcoholic or a drug addict or, you know, whatever, I could only go one of two ways. I would either hate that life so much that I would veer away from it, period. Or I would fall right into it and be an alcoholic or a drug addict. And um, that's kind of how it is with my, my siblings, right? So just speaking on the boys, there's three of us, three boys. Okay. And um, the oldest, he had ADHD. Um, and his life is just completely different, bro. Um, he's had about eight or nine kids. All of them are in the system except for one. The one that's, yeah, the one that's not in the system, my sister scooped him up out of the hospital, like, right as he was born, and um, he has autism. My brother's girlfriend was drinking with him while she was carrying him. She was drinking and doing drugs and shit, man, so my, now my nephew is, has ADHD, plus he's autistic. Um, my brother in and out of jail, bro, they beat his ass 
one time they beat his ass so bad in prison, bro. I just thought, I just knew he was going to die. Like, I just knew he was going to die. You know, always been a gangbanger. Um, you know, just the same route that my father took. And then there's my other brother. And he's the middle brother. I'm the youngest. He's in the middle. And he's a police officer. You know, he's a good dude. He's a, um, active in the Army. Oh, I'm sorry, um, reservist in the military. So it's like my middle brother and I, we saw the mistakes that my dad or our dad and our oldest brother made. And we were like, nah, we good. Like we good. Life beat the fuck out of them. Yeah. You know? Um, Change the script. We're not going to feed into it. I'm straight. I'm good on that. And on, on piggybacking off of what you're saying or taking a part of it. All right. Uh, didn't have a great relationship with my dad. So in talking with people in Chicago or all over who say, well, do you ever want a relationship with your, with your father, with your dad? For me, no, at this point, no, I, I have, I have no reason to further anything that just didn't bear fruit for me. And, and I didn't, I didn't see the need to, and they, what they tried to do was explain to me that he didn't have a father in his corner that didn't teach him uh, about a father-son relationship. Right. And I said, okay, that's that's fine, right? You know me, right? Yeah. Two years, I was doing, I was doing, uh, I was a real model, a role model, I was a mentor, right? I have kids telling me, I wish I could go home with you. I wish you were my dad, my uncle, or my brother. Now, how do I have the understanding to make sure that I have a relationship with these kids and I can push them into the right direction to go to finish school, finish high school and finish college. Some of them are doing very well in life right now. Uh, and God bless those who are, are still trying to figure it out. All right. But if I'm able to do that, what's the difference in him? You're making excuses for a person who never decides to take the choice upon themselves to be a father. That's it. It's it, it's so funny you say that, man, because this it's the same mirror here because um, my wife asks me all the time, well, who taught you how to be a husband? Or who taught you how to, you know, be a dad? Because we want the fucking love. Yeah. I want the love. Yeah. Now that now that you have now that you have kids, or I'm around kids, I just want to give them that shit. Yeah. I want them to understand, hey man, there's people out here who actually genuinely care about you and want you to do well. And I know necessarily I'm not your father, I'm not your brother, I'm not your uncle, you know what I mean? But I can give, I can put myself in a place to give you something to look forward to or right. give you a, a bar. And right. then from that bar, you can definitely say, you know what, I want to be better than what he is. And I always told every kid that I was mentoring to always be better than me. Don't do anything that I've done, just be better than me. Right. Ask me where, how I got here and figure out how to do better than what I've done. Because what yeah. I'm what I'm doing ain't nothing. You can do that. Do better. Right. I'd appreciate it more if you did better. Right. So when they tell me about, oh, you know, you need to you need to um, give them a chance. What chance? I've been on this earth for forty years. What chance? What what? How many chances you want? Right. Right. Yeah. How many chances you want? I, I got a I got a I got a younger sister who was disappointed the fuck out of life through you. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many chances should you be given to continue to fuck up? Yeah. Yeah. 
man, you know, it's crazy because, you know, older people, when we were younger and we coming up, they looked at us as a lost generation, right? Honestly, I think it's the generation before us, the, the crack epidemic and, you know, like that generation. Man, my father started drinking at nine years old, bro. Like drinking and smoking at nine years old. That generation, because they took what was already given to them and they just reciprocated the shit. No one said, yo, let's get, let's try to figure this shit out. Yeah. We need to have some ingenuity. We need to figure out a plan because this shit is fucked up and we yeah. can't go back into that situation anymore. My yeah. mom told me the whole point of coming to Chicago was to consider it the promised land out of leaving bondage. That's mm -hmm. what she told me. She mm -hmm. said, so why would I go, go back there when there was no opportunity there? And she said, he didn't have a plan. We was going to go there and just live off the land. Like, what was the fucking plan? How was I going to raise y'all living right. off the land while right. the world just changes and passes us by? Right. After we seen what we just seen moving around and, and taking trips and all that shit, we just going to come, come live off the land? That made no sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's let's switch topics because okay, we, can, okay. we can do that all day. You know what I mean? And, and you know, God bless the dead. You're a dad. You know, I... Uh, uh, I'm glad you guys were able to end it on a good note, you know, before yeah. we left here. So tell me about college. What college did you go to? So I attended Tuskegee University in rural, like very rural Tuskegee, Alabama. Okay. Okay. T tell me about that experience, please. So. Uh, oh, wait, for, before you tell me about the experience, tell me who the Tuskegee are. So uh, Tuskegee was founded by Booker T. Washington in 1881. Um, some amazing alum of Tuskegee are George Washington Carver, uh, Lionel Richie. Um, what's your boy name? Or the, the, the radio personality, Tom Joyner with the Tuskegee. Um, home of the grand and illustrious Tuskegee Airmen, the first uh, air fighters in the military. And I mean, shit, man, we never lost a soul. That's the crazy part, mm. you know, but, um, but yeah, Tuskegee was quite the experience, but coming from, from the South side of Chicago and taking my ass down there to Backwoods, Alabama, man, that was a change, bro. So I like I can remember my first day, first day on campus. I got all these white shoes. I got white Air Force Ones, white uh, shell toe Adidas, um, you know, white uh, Jordan Ones, just white on white on white. I get down there, man. We don't have no roads, bro. Everything is red clay dirt. Everything. 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 Now, lo and behold, whenever you need to like truly beautify something, like something that's ugly, and you really want to beautify it, you got to tear the shit up. Yeah. So I didn't realize it's because they had just torn the entire campus up, you know, before the summer before I uh, got there. And I'm like, man, hell no. Yeah, Tuskegee gave me a scholarship, but I'm about to take my ass to University of Illinois 
So just back up a little bit. Uh, after my freshman year at Mount Carmel, I got kicked out. And I went to a... What happened that you got kicked out, Grades? No, man. I, I had great, great grades, man. Um, fighting and shit. Just, <laughs> you know, just crazy, man. Anyway, so I got the boot. And I wound up going to a military academy in Wisconsin. You remember that? Yeah. I remember. Okay, now I remember. I remember that part. Okay. Well, I disappeared for three years, so I went to a military academy in Wisconsin, and uh, one and while I was there, I uh, got a scholarship to Tuskegee, and I got a four-year scholarship on uh, Army ROTC, and I got a three-year. ROTC scholarship, University of Illinois. I'm like, man, Tuskegee got roaches. Like literally the moment I walk into my room, my dorm room, there's roaches everywhere. Like dead roaches, just everywhere, right? Um, so what happens is they they call it bombing, right? It's basically... Yeah, so they do the, the, the insect bombing or whatever. So they do the bombs and they all just die. And they just everywhere, man. So I'm like, fuck, man. Like, shit. I was like, damn, I went to high school in fucking the country part of Wisconsin. Now I'm in this country-ass podunk town in Alabama. Like, shit, man. Like, like I, can't, I can't escape this shit, huh? I, Right. I'm like, I can't, I can't escape this, man. I'm like, man, I'm going to University of Illinois. I tell my mom, I'm like, look, give me 30 days. Give me 30 days and I'm about, I'm out of here. I, I'm like, I'll pay for my freshman year of college by myself, you know, financial aid, like millions of other people. And she was like, okay, if that's what you want to do. Cool. And um, lo and behold, man, within that first 30 days, I met all of the best friends for the, you know, people that I will be close with for the rest of my life. Um, my wife, uh, my daughter's godfather, my best man in my wedding. Um, it's just crazy how life plays out, man. I'm, I'm fortunate that I went to Tuskegee. We're a huge, massive family. Um, very prideful of the HBCU experience, which was quite the experience. Uh, but going from a predominantly white high school to uh, the HBCU experience, man, is nothing like it. But yeah, so I went to Tuskegee and initially I was there and my major was um, political science. My mom always said that I would be an attorney or a lawyer and I I've never had any interest in it personally, but you know, I just, whatever, if that's the route that I'm supposed to take, I'll do it. Man, my first you semester- I asked her what was, what, what made her say that you were going to be a lawyer? Cause it was like the only professions that people, black people really understood or knew that was successful were attorneys and doctors. Like that was just what it was. Um, and it's crazy because my mom worked in marketing for uh, for Amico for 30 years. 
but she didn't think of, you know, oh, you could be an engineer or this, that, you know, it was either attorney or a doctor. And I'm like, I ain't trying to be no damn doctor, you know, <laughs> being in school forever. Right? Yeah. And uh, anyhow, man, so my first semester, I'm taking these political science classes and I'm not interested at all. Not interested at all. And at that point, I was is like, you a buyer? This is at Tuskegee. This is at Tuskegee. Okay. Yeah, because I never, I never transferred. I never transferred. I just stayed put, man. And um, that just tra- changed the trajectory of my life um, was, was attending Tuskegee, man. But uh, yeah, great experience. I highly recommend HBCUs for everybody because for all the Black oh, students. Speak, shit. speak on. Speak like on. straight up because um, it is a very safe place for us, man. You have these kids, these Black boys and girls that are like just the other day, man, there was an article about some shit that happened here in Texas. A girl, she was 17 years old. All of her uh, her roommates like called the police on her or some shit or FBI to say she had a bomb and was threatening them. Like the fuck? You ain't got to worry about no stupid shit like that at a, at a black school. You know, like, bro. So, and, and tell me about it because the experience is the comfortability of the people that you're around, right? Man, it's seeing all these beautiful black people. Say it again. I said it, it's it's all these beautiful black people, ages of 18 to 22, 17, 23, whatever, just um, working towards a goal. You know, having a mindset of, you know, I'm about to get in school, finish school, and either go to graduate school or get my master's, my MBA. Um, Tuskegee is really well known and established in veterinary medicine. So all like majority of the black veterinarians in the world have attended Tuskegee um, for their veterinary science program. So you just see all of these people that are aspiring to be young black professionals and yeah, you're going to get that at a white campus. But the way that I explain it is, or to call it a PWI, the way that I explain it is a PWI is a salt shaker with a few little specks of black pepper in it, right? And then you walk into a black campus, that shit is Chocolate City. It's just a completely different atmosphere, man. And it's very proof positive that black people come in all types of flavors, man. Um, You have people that have no idea that there were black gamers or black people that fucking do woodworking and, you know, just, just all of this, man. We just really come in all flavors aside from what you see in the fucking media and on TV all the time, man. And, and that's why I want you to speak on that because uh, that is the perception, right? It's a false perception or it's a false narrative that all we do is shoot jump shots and we just entertain. Everything we do is just entertainment. Uh, it's the quickest form of getting out of, the, out of the neighborhood, right? But we do more than that. We are inventors. We are judges. We are lawyers. We are doctors. We are scientists. Yes. You said it's proof positive if you just especially now these days when you can look on YouTube and you can look across the internet, uh, we're, we're doing, we're doing so many different things that, uh, 
these things need to be spoke on. Uh, they mm-hmm. need to be brought into 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 a positive light and shown that yo, if you actually want to be a scientist or astrophysicist, you can do it. One of the top guys is name is Neil deGrasse Tyson. Bro, blows me away. I, exactly. Right. Crazy. Blows me away. And when I hear him talk, I'm like, yo, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. What I need to get. There. <laughs> It's dope. I like him, man. He's super dope. Yeah, so, and he makes it. He makes it simple for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know black people that work for NASA. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, interviewed young lady, I interviewed a young lady, and she told me that her father was an engineer, and that her father's friend was one of the rocket scientists for NASA. And I asked her, yeah. "Did you know how important that was?" She said, I had no, absolutely no idea until I got older and realized what it was that he was doing. Bro, anything under the sun, someone that looks like you or I, absolutely, we're working in it. We're in it. We know how to do that shit just like anybody else, man. And just like the intelligent, from, smart white people. Yeah, and it might have come from us, to be to be honest, if we really want to talk that Facts. Shit. Facts. Super facts. Plus facts. tax. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Dead ass. So... Are you aware of the Tuskegee Tuskegee experiment? I am the syphilis experiment. Yeah. Can you speak on that, please, sir? So, um, my knowledge on that is is fairly limited, and that's just because it's such a bleak outcome. So, actually, over a uh, a lengthy span of years, uh, there was an experiment that was done on Tuskegee residents. And um, to my understanding, it didn't give them syphilis, but, or it like gave a certain percentage of them syphilis. This is, it's just crazy, man. Like we're more than just a fucking lab rat. But that's the way they, and, and people don't understand is when they say, well, why don't black people take flu vaccines and everything else? Uh, it's because they've been treating us like lab rats and everything else for years. For years, bro. So we don't, we don't fully trust that shit. Like, that's just what it is. Sarah Barton, uh, they put her on display and made her look like, you know, she was like one of the craziest, most mar- marvelous things or just the main, like it was just a weird way that they were going about talking about it, you know? But she's she's created and saved lives, like just her DNA. Henrietta Lacks is the one that they use for cancer research. Oh, okay, got you, got you. Yeah, yeah that's what you're talking about. But Sarah Barton was the one who, was, who had a very voluptuous body. It was very, uh, very curvy, something that they weren't used to. Uh, and they try to put her on display like like she was at a zoo all the damn time. Mm. And the other women who they would just rip open and and, and look at their uterus and, and and different fallopian tube, you know, just all this weird shit that they did. So because we know the history of this shit, like it's kind of hard for a person like me to wake up and go, I'm gonna just go take a vaccine. When the way I was when the way the way I was grew up was eat healthy. Be as healthy as you can and take the vitamins and you'll be okay. Yeah. All right. So for years I've done that. And I, and the times I got sick, it was only because I was being pushed. I had vaccines pushed on me. And as, as I got older and I, I stopped saying, I, I was able to say no on my own. Right. Take that shit. 
Take that shit to to what what's the uh, what did the minister Elijah Muhammad say? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad to stay alive, you have to eat alive. Mm. So that's, that's a plan for fruits and vegetables, you know. Uh, and then someone told me years later, I think doing boxing, said your body and your mind is a garden. Don't mm. turn it into a wastebasket. Mm. Don't turn it into a dumpster. Mm. And he said, what you put into it is what you get out of it. That's true. He said, hey, you will tell a difference after we get you on this plan and get you in condition to, to do things different. And he wasn't lying. And I, I understand that with the most successful athletes, right? If you look at a Roy Jones Jr., never drank or smoked. Mm-hmm. Floyd, Floyd Mayweather Jr., never drank or smoked. Yeah. Went out and partied and hung out, but he always said, I, I don't drink and smoke. I go to the, I go to the club and I have fun. And after that, I leave the club and I go run six six miles. Yeah, which is crazy to me. <laughs> Kobe yeah. Bryant, always locked in. Always locked in. LeBron James locked in. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So it's 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 that type of a uh, regimen, you know, that watching the athletes do it or or watching the routines and seeing it for myself firsthand and doing it myself, you start going, yo, this stuff actually works. Mm-hmm. This stuff actually works. So I just want you to talk on the uh, Tuskegee experiment because I think there's a lot of information there that's just not about black people in the experiment, but they treat us like sheep, everybody, right? So everybody's a sheep until you understand what it is that's going on out here. And, you know, maybe vaccines do work, maybe they don't work. Um, I've seen cases where there are young kids who have uh, developed autism from these from these uh, vaccines. I've seen one scientist uh, break down what the vaccine was. They said it was dead uh, fetal cells and it's just an amalgamation of things that they put together and they put into your bloodstream. He said it can actually corrupt your bloodstream over a period of time. So um, reading all this stuff and, and, and inquiring about it, you know, it kind of makes you wonder about, you know, like what, what's the point of it, you know, so. The medical industry is big business, bro. Big business. Very big, right? And. You know, they have one plan and one goal, you know, and that's to stay on top and to continue to push pills and make people pill poppers. The crazy thing is you take one pill to treat something and it causes another ailment in which you have to take another pill to treat that ailment, which causes another ailment. <laughs> it's nuts, man. Yeah. You'll be walking around with irritable bowel syndrome one day, wake up the next day, you got a big ass rash on your side. You know, you're trying to figure out now you need another pill. So um, it's a it's it's a very it's a very weird situation, you know, to to have to deal with. Have you seen that uh Netflix documentary Social Experiment, I think it's called? No, someone told me about it. I haven't seen it yet though. Yeah, I watched it, man. It's it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Considering the people that develop these apps and these uh, social media um, pages or whatever, um, like it truly is an addiction for the people that are using those platforms to the point where there's only two businesses. This is this, they said this, and this shit blew my mind. There's only two platforms or two businesses in which 
these sellers or the pushers call people users. And that's the drug business. Wow. Social media. Wow. If there's something, dude, that's crazy. That blew my mind. And everybody that's scrolling on their phone all day as a user. But the, cra- the crazy thing is, man, the guys that make it, they like, I'm not exempt. Like, I'm a- addicted too. Like, they're like, I'm not a- exempt. Like, I have the same addiction that, you know, people that are on Facebook all day or Instagram all day. I'm no different. I'm like, wow. Oh, let me ask you a question. How often are you on there? Are you on there a lot? So, I'm on there a lot. Um, I'm on Instagram quite frequently for business. Okay, so um, business. I'm on Facebook more for a combination of both. So I have a Facebook business page. I run Facebook ads for a real estate business. Um, but I feel like Facebook is the easiest way for me to engage with my network of people that are outside of my home because it's just me and my wife down here. Okay. No friends around the area, no? Man, I don't fuck with these folks like that. I mean, you know, I got a couple, uh, we have homegirls that are, that, you know, graduated college with us that are really close to us, but um, I just haven't clicked with, uh, with none of the guys like that, man, because actually, let me take that back. I ain't saying that. So Houston cats are just a little different than us, right? The, the people I vibe with are down here that are down here in Houston are either from Detroit, Cali, or New Orleans. And that's it. That's it. Just a different type of cat, man. They they we mesh well, you know. We mesh well, but yeah, Houston cats just a little different. Yeah, but I mean. For- Away from that, there has to be a, a sort of a, like a sense of peace, you know, leaving, being able to leave Chicago. And, yes. And yes, Lord, like yes, 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 without question, man. Um, so, I, like, just even being at the crib, man, the, the first time my wife and I, so she's from St. Louis. So the first time we flew to Chicago together, we're uh, at Midway. She said, as soon as we touched down, my whole vibe changed. <laughs> I mean, head on the swivel, you know what I'm saying? People walking too close, you gotta just kind of, you know, you yeah. just gotta be on the, on the, it's different, man. You just have to be yeah. on the, anybody can try to get you and- Head on the swivel. Yeah, man, you gotta, when people start talking and talking fast and all that, you gotta really be paying attention because you ain't about to get me, you know what like, it's it's it's, yeah, it's different, man. Um, yeah, uh, I dated a young lady who uh, she wasn't from here, um, and I took her to certain neighborhoods. Or she said she wanted to go eat in a certain neighborhood, and I said, "Have you been over there before?" She was like, "Yeah, I've been over there a few times." I said, All right, cool. And when we get over there, she was like, "Yo, your your whole demeanor changes when you know you go back to these types of places. Why is that?" I said, because I understand the environment. She's like, I just, she said, I saw the shift. I said, I'm comfortable, but at the same time, I'm uncomfortable. Right. Because now that I have you with me, my my alarm is, is my radar is going yeah. on. Because I have to protect yeah. you. It ain't about me no yeah. more. 
There it is. About me no more. It's it's about making sure that you have a good time because I'm having a good time just by being with you. Right. I'm, I'm right. good as long as y'all see you smiling and laughing. I'm Gucci. I'm Gucci, hundred percent. So you know, I told her like I just have to make sure that it ain't no foolery going on while we while we out here participating and eating food and right. enjoying ourselves because it's out it's out here it's out here and I, I need to be able to see it because I need to be able to read signs facts and, and move. We see, we see things a lot differently, bro. Like we yeah, see a things a lot differently than people that's not from in the crib. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's crazy that when you're having conversations with people who don't have who don't come from these types of environments, you know, they look at you like you weird as shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you're trying to talk to them and tell them about, you know, I, I, I move different around different areas. You know what I mean? Like when I'm, when I'm going to breweries, I'm looking, I'm being observant, but I'm not like, I'm, I'm not edgy. You know what I mean? And it I'm, ain't the same as if you are at Kenwood Liquors. Like it's just, <laughs> absolutely. Like if I'm on the low end and go see some people I know, it's a lot different for me when I'm on the low end because I know where I am. Right. You know what I mean? But if if we if we at a brewery, you know what I mean? We out to eat somewhere and it's a nice area. Like I don't be, you know, I'm looking around just to see what see what everything looked like and I'm checking out the scenery, but it ain't the same. She right though. That's what's gonna happen because you know just what it is. Yeah, you just wanna make sure that you're all right. That's it. You just wanna make sure that you're safe. And it's really about her safety more than anybody else's, man. Right. Bingo. You know, uh, I've, I've heard the term that um, we don't protect our black women. And, you know, I don't I don't necessarily think that's true. But at the same time, it's the women who just don't feel protected. You know, what I mean, like, I, I get it. If you don't feel protected, then I understand. We can't, we, we can't be too quick to judge their thoughts on their experiences. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because white people do that shit to us. Yeah. Oh, racism. You there was a black president. Fuck that mean. Fuck what, that mean, man. What the hell does that mean? Oh, I got the new one, the, the new favorite one. I don't see color. Fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it's bullshit. It's bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. Every time I hear, I'm like, yo, I'm I'm not gonna even argue with you. I'm not going to have that conversation because I see where this is going. If you don't see it, that's a problem. I want you to see it. I want you to respect me enough and respect my heritage and my culture enough to see it. I want you to see it. But that's <laughs> the problem. Their schools are different from ours, right? Yeah. Their curriculum is different from ours. Mm -hmm. Their experience in America is supremely different. Way different. Way different. So they're not getting what we're getting. And then when they finally see a man being kneeled on for eight eight minutes and 45 seconds for just a small minute for just for just that minute that, that moment in time they get it but only for that moment in time and then after that everything goes back to normal and see you know what the crazy thing is man it don't take us much to be empathetic towards whatever if they had a plight you know if there was an issue going on with white women per se, right? Let's just say white women out here just getting raped, like like to the same tune that we out here getting murdered. We would, we would be upset and we would we, want justice for that exactly. shit. Exactly. Plain and simple. The shit is wrong. 
Fuck the police. Like, like that's just what it is. If it's police that's out here, that's raping. That's raping these women out here, man. That's how we would do it. When it's simple. Simple. oh shit, damn, they got to deal with that. That's fucked up. Yeah. Yep. That's how it goes. Like, oh, that's fucked up. Yeah. But maybe a little bit that you know that that sympathy might come in or empathy might be be there. And then from from my from what I see, just be like, oh damn, that's fucked up. That's what it is, bro. Majority of the time, that's what it is. For anyone to say that it's not true, then why why are we still dealing with these issues here? Right. You understand what I'm saying? Right. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So uh we 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 know what's going on. We see what's going on. We know we we know what we're looking at when we see it. Mm-hmm. You know, like y'all can play the little games and everything that y'all thinking the propaganda with Black Lives Matter, but it ain't, it ain't about posting that on, on TV or on a shirt. It's about the actions that come behind it. Bro, I haven't heard a business say nothing oh, since when, when was it? To help your business or to help my business or anything mm-hmm. like that. Where, where, where's the money going? Right. What was that, like June or July? Like, okay, so it happened in May. So I think it was like late May, early June when all of these um, Fortune 500 companies were, you know, saying Black Lives Matter and sending out emails saying Black Lives Matter and all that shit, but they haven't done a damn thing since then. I haven't heard nothing. Yeah. It's a a whole mindfuck. But but the crazy part is, this shit ain't new to us, so we've always just maneuvered. We've always just found a way to maneuver. Fight through it. Through it. I mean, it, it is what it is. If, if I if, if I get hemmed up by a cop tomorrow, right? If I get hemmed up by a cop tomorrow, it's like it's just another day. It, it's, it's expected. Like it's almost like all of us at some point in our heads, like, well, shit, my turn coming at some point. Yeah, you just dis- desensitized to it. And, and 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 let me say this too, just so people are aware. You don't make songs like "fuck the police" just to just to make it. It's right. a reason when you make you make a song like that. Right. You don't just make a song like that because of police. You know, just because they're police. You make a song like that for for hundreds of years of oppression, for how it started by policing and marshalling mm-hmm. slave the slave grounds or the slaves and everything. Making sure that's how it started. That's it. That's how it started. That's all. You know. Um, its inception is based on, on on some fucked up shit. Exactly. And this is exactly why defun- defunding the police, scrapping that shit and starting over, you know, like that's like, honestly, truth be told, literally every system in our country needs to be scrapped. Facts. Because all of the fundamentals that they were founded on were founded on Uplifting the white body, right? On our backs. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Putting them ahead of us. It, that's just what it is. Yeah. So until everything is scrapped, it don't matter. You can change all these fucking laws and policies one at a time, like they're trying to do. And it, effectively, it doesn't mean anything because every system is fucked up. All of it. All men are created equal, right? They throw that shit in your face. I right. Mean, like, yo, every time that y'all do that, I know what you're saying. Like, come on, cut that shit out. 
Like, like yeah, I do that to people. Like, like we, we, we dumb, man. It surely isn't that. <laughs> it surely, I think, I think is, is that, that empathy that you were speaking of, I think, you know, that shit shouldn't be so much empathy anymore. It should be rage and aggression for the fact that we haven't received our shit and it should be changed into something else. But we have to talk about that another time. Yeah. I have a question. There's a sign behind you on your right. Did you put that up there for me? What you think, man? <laughs> Salute. I appreciate you, my guy. Well, let me see. Oh, it lights up? Oh, man. Oh, I can't see it now. I appreciate you, though, oh, man. It's too, it's too lit up. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it, though, man. Oh, no doubt, man. I appreciate that. No yeah, doubt. just trying to do something positive, you know. You know, um, at one point, you know, you do more, you do a lot of negative. You got to make things right, you know, through mentorship. Yeah. Back, you know, trying to do everything that you can, so. Facts. Facts. At some point. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, this is life, and all we can do is keep on living, man, and keep on maneuvering through, you know, both the ups and the downs, the peaks and the valleys. Um that's it. That's all we can do, man. Having a daughter, all right, you know, you know you're going to have to give her the game, right? Oh, without question, bro. A-M-E. Without question. You don't man, have to give her the game, right? Bro, man, my wife's friends getting gamed, and I'm like, <sighs> We suckers, huh? <laughs> I'm like, damn, man, my baby ain't going down like that, bro. <laughs> but that's another reason why, bro, you're going to have to take your foot off that accelerator, man, and be in the house. I know. They good, bro. But you got to be there. But see, I, okay, I look at it like this, man. The next three or four years, if I just grind out, bro, everything is Gucci after that. Like, like, okay, so I'm a real estate agent, real estate investor. On my real estate agent side of things, as a retail real estate uh, agent, I just brought on an assistant. Um, I'm bringing on another agent on Monday. And I'm looking at other agents to bring on as well. And that should, that'll help me leverage. Leverage is everything, man, in any type of business. So if I'm able to leverage my time and pour into other agents that are trying to, you know, launch their business, at that point, that gives me more time to be with my wife and my daughter. You know, right now, I'm just a dude that wipe her butt. You know, that's just what it is. Yeah, bro, you got to do better, though. No, 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 no. I'm saying to her. Okay. Yeah, to that's her. Yeah, yeah. To her, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, she yeah. she get mommy and daddy. Like she she say da da. So mama a little bit of a hater, but you know, she say da da. Um, and she gets me. She understands that I'm the only dude that she sees every day. Okay. So she understands that. But you know, ultimately I just feed her and wipe her butt and make her smile, you know. Um, until she can understand more. Um, 
I'm just really trying to set us up. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. You're doing the right thing though, but I just want to make sure you know you gotta be you gotta be dad. You know. Oh yeah, without without fail, man. Yeah, that's my little that's my little ace right there, man. I love that little girl. And it's crazy because um when you think about parenthood, most guys, especially guys that are in the sports, you know, I grew up hooping and shit. So most guys, the thought process is, oh, I can't have I can't wait to have a little boy to, you know, have him out there on the football field, on the basketball court. Bro. I come in here the other day. I came in the house from work, and my daughter literally she got a she got a little baby little basketball right. She left. I think she left handed because she always eating with her left hand, and she like does everything with her left hand. Bro, first time touching the basketball, she did this. Yeah, the her form was perfect. I'm talking about the elbow. The God hand, everything. I'm like, yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes. And my wife just started busting up laughing. She like, uh-uh, she gonna be a ballerina. I'm like, no, that's a hoople. She are. It's in her. It's in her blood. <laughs> she can do both. She can do both. True facts. Well, listen, uh, this young brother that's finna fight this Saturday on the 17th, mm-hmm. uh, Lomachenko. Mm-hmm. His dad took him out of boxing for two years so he could learn Russian ba- uh, ballet. Wow. But you, yes. I remember I remember uh, growing up, like, in the 90s and early 2000s, man, a lot of NFL guys were saying that they were taking uh, ballet because it taught you how to, like, balance much better if you're a receiver or a quarterback or safety. You know, it just taught you how to balance when you get the ball or the reception or the interception, whatever. A lot of guys were saying that, man. So yeah. I guess it makes sense. This guy fights this coming weekend, uh, and he's fighting a young brother, a young guy named uh, Teofimo Lopez. Mm-hmm. And it should be a good scrap. Um, I know where I put I put my money. I'm putting it on Loma because it's Loma. Loma something different. Uh, yeah. The competition he has is okay, but – I just think for a guy who went 398 and one as an amateur boxer and he's 14 and one or yeah, 14 and one with like 12 knockouts as a professional, I think that says a lot. Oh yeah. I think that just says a lot. So um, I will be tuned in to that. Definitely. Um, it, it, it should, it should be a good scrap. Yeah. Good scrap. Yeah. yeah. But she can definitely do broke both my guy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's just crazy, man. Um, I don't, I... Let me ask you this about, about having kids, right? So, because yeah. I don't have any, all right? That, that I know of. People keep saying to me, like, not that you know of, but um, I don't have any kids, all right? right. So, um, was there a preference when she got pregnant? Did you even care? All right, so I was actually going to touch on that. So for us, so all right, let me back up. I love telling stories, man. So wife and I, we got married um, in October. October 1st of 2016 is our wedding anniversary. But we actually got married 
um, at the courthouse in April of 2016. So the reason we did that is because my lease was coming up for expiration. And it, it, it didn't make sense for my lease to expire in May. And then I signed like a year lease and um, she already owned a home. It, it just didn't make sense. And I didn't want, neither one of us wanted to live together unmarried, right? So crazy thing, one day my wife and I wake up, um, well, fiance at the time, I'm crashing in her crib. We wake up, go to work like any other day. And um, she hit me up, which was pretty normal. Maybe once a week, she'll ask me if I wanted to do lunch or I'll ask her if she wanted to do lunch. Um, so she's like, hey, you know, I think I'm gonna take an early lunch. Why don't you meet me for lunch? I was like, okay, cool. Then she said, well, why don't you meet me at the courthouse? Because if you meet me at the courthouse, we can understand like what the rules are, what we need to do um, in preparation for the wedding in October. Like, because we wanted, we both wanted the license to say Texas, not Illinois, because the wedding was in Chicago. So we wanted the wedding uh, license to say Illinois. I'm sorry, Texas. Texas, you said Texas. So I'm like, okay, cool. So we meet at the courthouse and she was like, well, you wanna just get married today? And I was like, shit, we, I don't care, we can. And she was like, okay, cool, let's do it. Now, we get to the um, the cashier. You go to the cashier first. So we get to the cashier and it was like $141, right? And I'm like, uh, okay. And the cashier was like, okay, the only thing is typically you have to wait 72 hours after you pay, you can come back and then you can get married because they want to make sure that you really going to do it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, that's fine. We can come back. Cool. And she was like, but there's an exception. The exception is unless you do it the same day. So if you do it today, you don't have to wait the 72 hour period. And I was like, okay, we could do it now. So um, I don't remember what floor it was, but let's say it's like the third floor where the cashier was. She was like, okay, on every floor is a judge. She said, all you need is a judge to marry you guys. So we go up to the fourth floor, judge at lunch, go to the fifth floor, judge at lunch, sixth floor, seventh floor, eighth floor, ninth floor, judge at lunch. And we like, damn, we might as well just hang it up and come back. You know, maybe we could do it next week, you know, one day. And I'm like, you know what? No, man, I want to be married. I'm like, no, I'm like, we're going to do this today. So we go to the 10th floor, 11th floor. And at the 11th floor, we were done at that point. We like, man, it's a wrap. The the um the judge's clerk was like the judge is at lunch, but I know for sure there's a judge on the twelfth floor right now. Bless you. Thank you. She was like, I know for sure there's a judge on the twelfth floor right now, so he can marry you guys. I'm sure. So we go up there, and sure enough, ten minutes later we were married. So now, like this whole time, we have been planning this wedding in Chicago and spending all this money, and I'm like. Shit, we spent $140. We married now. 
like we can screw the wedding, you know, <laughs> like screw that. It's true. Like, she was like, I ain't even tripping. Yeah, that's right. That's true. So we uh, immediately called our moms. I called my mom. She called her mom. Tell them they're both excited and happy for us or whatever. Then at night, she, she starts singing a different tone. She like, you know what? Uh, yeah, we need to go ahead and finish off this uh, this this wedding ceremony. I'm like, all right, whatever, man. It's cool. Um, so fast forward. So the wedding was in October. And our plan was like, hey, we're going to be married in October. I'm sorry, the wedding is in October. We're married now. we like, we might as well start trying to have this baby like in August, right? Because she you're not going to be showing if you're like eight weeks pregnant. That's the thought. We're just thinking it's going to be easy. So God had other plans, bro, like just way other plans. And uh, wife found out that she couldn't conceive naturally. Wow. So she found this out in April of 2017. So considering... I knew I wanted to be a dad as much as she wanted to be a mom. And we're trying, 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 trying. In like January or February in 2017, I'm like, man, all right, I need to make this appointment with this doctor to make sure my boys are swimming. <laughs> you know, but not only that, but also to set the tone. So I'm at this point, I'm the husband, I'm the head of the household. I can't expect her to go get herself checked without me doing the same. So I'm setting the precedence and I'm like, all right, bet, I'm gonna go. I go, I'm good. Now, I'm not even thinking in my head, like while I'm celebrating that I'm good, that means she might not be, you know? And, you know, uh, she went in March, found out in April that we, you know, she couldn't conceive naturally. So um, we went through the IVF process, which is uh, in vitro fertilization. And um, that in itself was a pretty lengthy process for us. Okay. So in um, August of 2017, August of 2017, uh, that's when Hurricane Harvey hit. My wife's doctor's um, office was towards the water, towards the Gulf, which is basically where Hurricane Harvey came from. So we driving towards the eye of Hurricane Harvey wow. to retrieve my wife's eggs. Wow. Right? Yep. So we driving towards the eye to retrieve her eggs. We get the eggs. We like, okay, we got a decent amount of eggs. We good. Um, they, you know, at that point they matched the eggs with my sperm and now we got four embryos, right? Okay. January of 2018, we put one embryo back in her. It didn't take. Um, we did it again in like, like maybe June. So there's two embryos left because that one didn't take either. Two embryos left. So now we're like, all right, the other option is we can test the remaining embryos because they can make sure that there's nothing wrong with the embryos, like chromosomally, you know, make sure that all the chromosomes there, there's nothing wrong with the embryos. 
And um, sure enough, something was wrong with one. And when that happens, the lab will discard that one embryo. Yeah. <clears throat> so the remaining one embryo is my daughter. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So at no point, like after we found out that this was not going to be an easy thing and we needed science to make it happen, at no point did we think, oh, I want this or I want that. And no, it was, we want the Lord to bless us with whatever type of sex of child he wants to bless us with. And if he chooses not to, then we need, you know, we can also go another route of adoption or whatever. Yeah. Um, Shout out the science, man, because this is a wonderful thing. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. At any point where you worried when you got down to the last two eggs? Hell yeah. But I couldn't let her see that. You know what I'm saying? Like, one of the things when you're dealing with that is um, you have to be selfless. You know, um, my worries, I couldn't bring them to her because she's dealing with something else mentally right now. You know what I'm saying? Girls from the child, from, from when they're no longer a child, they think about being mothers. You know what I'm saying? So this was something she's always wanted. And my wife is the type that has planned everything. All of her successes, she's planned. Okay. So in, in her head, this is just another thing that I want that I can plan. And God is God was like, you know what? Slow down. Slow down. I got the last say. And um, that's what it was. Salute to you guys, man, for enduring and and congratulations on, on having your first child. I appreciate that. Would you would you do you plan on having more or is that it? No, that's the plan, man. We would like to uh at the very least have one more. Okay. Okay. Yeah. At the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Bet you you gonna have to G A M, bro. G A M E. You got the gamer up, bro. Oh yeah. She gonna know the game, man. And not even just me, man. My wife, yeah, she, 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 yeah. She on her P's and Q's too. Yeah, she on her P's and Q's too. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of suckers, goofies, and lames out here, you know? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I would, um, I, I tell my sister and some of my closest female friends, because I do have female friends or women friends. I don't know why dudes don't have them. You need them. You need somebody to talk you to. You do, man. You really do, bro. I tell people. I don't know what you know, oh, I, I fuck every last one of them. Listen, man, you're going to need somebody to talk to. That's why you're in some of the positions that you're in. So, bingo. I'll be talking to them, man. And, and for years, they wouldn't listen to me. And then one day, a couple of them started listening. And she started paying attention to stuff I was saying. I was like, if you keep doing that, he's going to do this. And if you do that, then he's going to do this. And if he does that, that's going to happen. And, you know, they will always put themselves further down the rabbit hole than they should have, you know? Mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm not telling you this stuff because I want to punish you or I want you to, to fail. I'm telling you it because you got to be aware of the suckers and the goofies out here. And mm -hmm. um, I'm a man of integrity, morals, principles, and values. So I wouldn't, I don't want, I don't want the women who I believe in and I trust with my life to be dealing with no suckers. 
Exactly. That's a waste of your time, and that's not something you need to be doing. So, Facts. as as a as a man, you you understand that. Um, you have a mother. I have sisters. You know, I have a mother. I have aunts. You know, I wouldn't want nobody around them, um, giving them the flux and putting them in bad situations or, or costing them years of their life that they can't get back dealing with some 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 sucker. You know, so. Salute to all the moms and sisters and aunts out there as well, man. I love all y'all. Love Super them. women, man. Super women, for real. I love, I love women, man. And I don't think we say that enough because so many times through, I guess, our history, I guess the history of, of just the world, we have was objectified them. Mm-hmm. We, we don't necessarily put them on a pedestal correctly. You know, we, we objectify them and we make them look like objects objects to be just marveled at or, or just a parade around but they aren't man these are these are precious jewels and flowers you know and, and they need to be treated correctly i know i have messed up a few times you know that's only because i was ignorant and un, and un, didn't have the correct understanding and at other times you know i was just trying to do what everybody else was doing you know so it's called maturing, bro. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, they, you know, trying to run that number up, run that number up. But um, as a man who's who's gotten past that and is, is a lot better in a better, way better place mentally, so um, it's 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 a something that we need to do more often, where we where we show more appreciation to our, to the women. When you know better, you do better. Ultimately, absolutely, man. You should. You should. Absolutely. Um, and I, I've, I've learned that a lot, you know, over the past, what, seven years or something like that, you know, just, I, th- I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier, just cutting that negative negativity out, out the circle, you know, and once you get certain people out your way, it, it breaks up the vibe around you and you're able to see things a lot clearer, you know, yeah. it clears up the space, it clears up your head space. So being able to get some of those negative people out the way, you know, and remove that shroud of ignorance definitely helped me as well. So talk to me about these sports, man. Man, Are you working out? out? Uh, So look, man, about that. That's a no. (laughs) Damn, I got down here, man, and I gained a quick 50. 50 pounds quick as hell, bro. Just and, keep it cool, huh? Man, so look. First off, the cost of living is cheaper down here. And it's no state income tax. And, wow. when, and when you buy food. Now, I've, I know you've heard the saying, um, everything is bigger in Texas, right? So what happens is you go to lunch, you go to dinner, you go out to eat, you go on a date you get twice the amount of food portion-wise for about half the price down here, man. So you just, you know, you eating three meals in one. You having an appetizer, you having your main course, you having your dessert and, you know. Rubbing. Rubbing. And hell, man, uh, I've been with my wife literally. Okay, so we we dated in college, but we did we weren't together until I moved here. Um, so I've been with her literally the 
day I got to Houston. So that was November 14th of 2014, man. I ain't even sniffed nothing else, bro. Like it that like that's she she locked me down. <laughs> so just imagine all them dates I you know we went on and I'm eating three meals in one and then when she had our daughter, you know, she would eat and then she would throw it up. So she got to eat again. Uh, so I'm eating both times, you uh, know? <laughs> like where's yeah. this money going right now, man? Yeah, I'm coming down though, man. I'm coming down, I'm coming down. I'm coming okay. down. All right, so on to sports. Have you become a Houston Rockets fan yet? So, all right, man, I always rock with the Rockets, but it's, it's never been like, I ain't putting nobody above the Bulls. You know, no matter how, like, bro, we can be 13 wins, no matter how trash we are. I'm, that's my favorite team. It just is what it is, right? So I'm, I'm Bulls, I'm diehard Bears. And I don't, I don't know how, man. I don't know how people are Bears fans, but I get, I get it though. You repping, you repping the, you repping the town. I, I, that's what I grew up on. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, a lot of South Side folks, man, they struggle with this one because I'm from the South Side, but I'm a diehard Cubs fan, man. You know, they used to have a point where they wouldn't let black people into the stadium. I do. Yeah, I do. Just bringing that up. I know, man. I, I'm very well well aware. Yeah, Sox was like, "No, nah, come on in. <laughs> in here, man. We don't care about that." But uh, but yeah, man, I, let's talk about this finals, bro. Um, it's does over. it count? Does it count? You got to put an asterisk by it. This is no different do. from it's no different from the the fifty the fifty game season that the ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Nobody talks about San Antonio winning that finals versus versus the Knicks. Nobody yeah, they don't bring that one up. They don't bring that. But as a as a whole, as, as a total body of work, they always bring they they do accept that as a um, a championship. So yeah. listen, mm -hmm. I feel like this: if they didn't want to play, they also just agreed not to not to uh, play the damn game. Yeah, you know what I mean. If you guys didn't want to do it, you should have just done it. LeBron was like, "I'm ready to go." A lot of other teams co-signed the shit and said they wanted to play. And they played. I think it. I think it's a difficult thing to do when you're away from your family and you can't come back home and you can't be around the ones you love, the things that inspire you, the things that keep you going, the things that motivate you, right? Yeah. So now you're in this bubble with a bunch of guys that, you know, you know, you're cool with and some of them you may actually love, but it got to be a hard thing to just sit there and be around them every day. It got to be kind of like a, like a jail or something at some point, but and then it's not even like they're in um, luxurious hotels like they're used to staying in. They're in regular hotel suites, you know. <laughs> it's. I wonder. Well, I don't wonder. I, I feel like he did what he was supposed to do, man. I feel like you know it's going. It's they're always going to talk about LeBron in a negative. Like they'll they'll say, "Oh, he does great off the court," but. I'm one of those people. I'm not, look, I don't rock with him. It just is what it is. And that's because I'm a, like, bro, when I say I'm a diehard Bulls fan, I don't rock with LeBron. He started his career in Cleveland. On top of that, when the Bulls were the number one seed and D-Rose was the MVP, 
They knocked us off. Why would I care about anything that he does after that? Like, bro, miss me with that. Man, I'm bro, not I meet you in your greatness, bro. I, I get it. I get it. I my dinner. I, I I just can't. I, I salute that man. Le, LeBron can win 17 seasons in a row. I don't care. I just salute him for doing what he's been able to do, man. Like, how many people do you know that can do that? Mike. How many people do you know can take any team that he ain't had and go to the finals 10 times? Bro, he handpicks his squad, bro. He, he literally does. Early on squads, he handpicked them too? No, no, I'm talking about when he was really going to the finals. So after Miami. Seriously. He was handpicking players. You don't think Mike had a, a hand at who, who came to the squad? Bro, nothing. I watched the documentary. They don't care. No, he did not. That the was only blessing telling his side of the story. The only blessing that he needed was the only blessing they allowed him to give was Robin. That was Michael Jordan telling his story. You do know that, right? Right. Okay. All right. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Look. I'm riding. I, I, I'm gonna say Mike. Mike is the greatest. But come on, like come up off that man. Like let let get that man. Let that man shine, bro. I can't do it. And you know the crazy part is, man. I hope we get three more just just for that shit. I hope we get three more, bro. Crazy part is more. And then it's still it's still gonna be a debate because they're gonna say, well, he don't have a fadeaway. You know, look, he was look, six, look, nine, look, look, he was look. six oh. nine two sixty. He's supposed to do that. He's supposed to do that. See what I'm saying? He's supposed to do that. <laughs> It's going right. to no, real talk. Real talk. Here's my struggle. This is my struggle. This is really what it is. All right. Going back to the era before LeBron James was Bird, Magic, Zeke, Mike, right? That was that era. So Bird and Magic were just beating each other up, back and forth, back and forth. Boston Lakers, Boston Lakers, Boston Lakers. Then Zeke had to knock them both off, right? So to get to the finals, Boston was beating up Dallas. I mean, Denver, uh, Detroit. And then Detroit had to beat Boston to make it to see L.A. And then they beat L.A. Then Detroit was beating the hell out of Mike. Mike had to make it past Detroit, which he did. And then it was his. It was his show. If that's the case, like LeBron was, LeBron messed up like what we knew the NBA as. You have to continue to fight through the opposition. And he said, no, I'm good. He said, no, I'm good. I'm going to go get some help. I mean, Mike could have did that. He could have had Charles Barkley. That's a different era, though. We don't live in that era no more. That's my era, though. That's how, that's that for that's me. My that's my era too. But what I'm saying is, like, it's a change. It's a changing of the guard. I, I changing of the guard. I, I'm, I'm, when AI came in and he hit Mike twice, I said, this, this, "That's done. We're done. Like that's gonna be the guy now. That's gonna be the guy." When I saw that, and I saw how that how he did that, and he did it twice. Whew, twice, bro. Hey, look. Now. Speaking of AI. We're done now. Like I'm like, that's the changing of the guard. And then who come right behind him? Grant Hill hit Pippen with a two-step. Huh. 
He came back and dunked. I said, yep, it's done. Young boy's turn now. It's changing. So, so look, so check this out. So speaking of AI, you have got to hear his interview on All the Smoke. I love it. Love it. Bro. Love it. Man. They chopped it up too much, but I, I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. It was really good. Hey, y'all, man, you know what? He's one of those guys, man, that just genuinely loves people and he speaks from the heart. Like when he say something, man, you can just tell that he just mean it. You know? It's so crazy. Like looking at him as a retired NBA player, he is the most emotional retired NBA guy that like he's just I just, like, think, he, I just think he always been that way. Yeah. Always been that way. He is all love. Like he is he is truly all love, man. And I'm so appreciative that they gave that man his flowers. You know, especially after losing Kobe, man. Like I'm I'm really appreciative that one the love that AI has is not anything like Mike, not anything like LeBron. It's different. The love he has is from his peers, bro. Like the NBA, like niggas that was on the court with him, who he, he was busting their ass. They love that dude, man. So that just speaks to volumes. That speaks volumes on who he truly is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think there's any player of our generation that's as beloved by his contemporaries or his opponents as much as him. Listen, he changed the game so much, though. He wasn't just like a basketball player. He was a cultural icon. Yeah. Came in the league and said, I'm, I'm going to make it okay for me to be myself and play. Yeah. Yeah, they don't like it. Fuck it, they gonna have to get rid of me. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. AI made it okay. Look, I got I can't where I come from. We wear tattoos. Tattoos. We, we got braids. Yep. We wear big ass baggy clothes that's too goddamn big for us. And you can probably fit four people inside the motherfuckers while I'm in. And he was the littlest nigga on the court, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I understand it though. But when he speaks and he talks about everything, you can tell he loved John Thompson. You can tell he loved uh, Larry Brown. You can tell he loved all his teammates. You mm -hmm. can tell his, his supreme love for those he was he was around. And I feel the same way he 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 does. If I tell you some shit like I love you or I like having you around me, I'm reaching out to you. That shit is real because I don't do it with everybody. Right. I don't right. do that shit with everybody. Like right. I'm one of them guys that I'll greet everybody. Now what's going on, my guy? What's going on? But I know what my inner circle really looks like. You know what right. I mean? Like I may try to try to bend and, 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 and give a little love to, to people here and there, but I know what my inner circle looks like. Yes, and yes, I feel like he knows what it is too. He loves Steven Jack. And I think he told him on the show, like, I love, I love Matt. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. that was real. And that, I think that's one of the things about AI I love, man. The perseverance and the resilience to keep on going after, after being caught. What was it? what he say in, in college when they showed up with the jailbird? Suits on. Bogus, bro. Bogus. Bogus as hell. Like, it takes a certain person to say, you know what? I know they're doing that, but I still got a point to prove. And then John Thompson had to remove out the stage. Bro, I loved it. I loved it, man. Like, the, the fact that he, John Thompson, was willing to not play, like, forfeit the game. Yes. yes. Unless you get these jokers out of here. I was like, man, that, that's amazing, man. The biggest part of that was that his mother had told John Thompson, I'm giving my baby to you because I don't want to, I don't want him to be out here in these streets. Yeah. So take care of him. And that's what he did, man. Salute to John Thompson. May he rest in peace, man. 
awesome man for being for doing what he was doing. Yeah. That whole program at Georgetown. Uh, yeah. AI is just one of those guys, man. When you when you hear him talk, you gotta listen because you know he, it's it's coming from the heart and it's coming yeah. from the real place. True. True. Like I I love I love anytime he's speaking or something, man. I, I just love to to see it because from an outside looking in, I I I know what that was, right? Hey. Being told, being denied at every opportunity, or, or being told that you ain't nothing but a, a thug or something like that, and to persevere and to continue to grind. This dude played with so many injuries, man. Yeah, you know what I mean. At and that then, size, at his size, on top of that, at his size, at, at that's one hundred and sixty-five pounds, soaking wet, running in the shack. Man, then the crazy thing, and I've always heard this, like I've always heard that he played football. He played football, he played football. Why don't the athletes didn't play football, right? I hear that all the time. But what I really didn't realize was the fact that he was like way better in football than in basketball. Super nice. Like, Super this nice. guy is a NBA Hall of Famer, and you mean to tell me he was actually better in football? Man, crazy, dude. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was looking at it like, what? <laughs> Two sports, like, and you chose basketball. Like, you could have been, you could have been Mike Vick before Mike Vick. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy talent, man. Yeah. Crazy talent. And they said, what, for two, three years, LeBron played wide receiver or something like that? Or a tight end, I think. Whatever it is, like, dude, you can call him whatever, man. Yeah. He just going to go get it. Yeah. Just throw it up, man. <laughs> Just throw you it imagine up. trying to guard the dude like that coming down the field full force? And most cornerbacks only six feet, five, ten. Maybe, right. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? You get one of them, maybe six, one, six, two. It ain't a lot of them that can do it something. It ain't a lot at that size, yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of like tall guys, there was a. Uh, I don't know if I could call it a documentary, but I think it was an interview where Megatron was talking. Mm. They interviewed him. Mm -hmm. he said, "Man, me leaving the game was was a health was a health issue." You know, mm. he said, "And I, oh, I think what he said, it wasn't just a health issue. It was just a realization that they weren't trying to win." Man, okay, something wrong with your franchise if that conversation was just had with Barry Sanders twenty <laughs> years ago. See, bro, that's what I'd be saying about they need to stop this fucking hiring friends and family members. And, and but they not, bro. It's good old boys. Y'all want to win? Get somebody in there that know how to fucking win, bro. Y'all hiring these punk motherfuckers. I don't know what the fuck they talking they, about. They're they they not going to stop, man. It's a good old boys network, brother. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. But think about it. You got you got Matt Stafford as your quarterback and you have Megatron, six foot five. Throw it up. Just throw it up. <laughs> well, I mean, that's all he had to do, really. Six foot five, bro, 240 pounds. Yeah. What do you do with that when it's moving downfield? Not a damn thing. Nothing. No safety in the world. Nope. No cornerback in the world. No. What's the rule? After five yards, you can't touch him. No, it's a wrap. Imagine that a motherfucker ran down the field like that and just goes up and catch look, I'm gone. It's Randy Moss, a yeah. bigger Randy Moss. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I see. I think he was saying that uh, he has like a cannabis business now or something like that. Okay, okay. I don't blame him. You know, it's it's great healing properties. Great healing properties. Also good for you know being able to relax and telling your mind to shut down, sleep too. So even with that, man. Speaking of cannabis, they might as well just let every brother out that's that was arrested on some marijuana shit, man. You need to, but what they've done. In my opinion, is they saturate the market with so many others, right? That it'll be hard for these guys to come out and 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 have a dispensary. You know what I mean? Be able to put in that type of work. Oh, they make that, man. They make that like it's so much bureaucracy and red tape trying to get started with that, man. That's what I'm saying I, I know a couple of people who's trying to do it now. Um, excellent, excellent, excellent growth. You know that they're doing well at it, but it's just the fact that. They saturate the market. You know, they of course they give the, all the contracts to the biggest, the biggest people, the big farmers and all that. You know, everybody got their hand in that. Then they just start passing the little contracts around to those people at the bottom. Yeah. This is a sad situation. You know what I mean? Like everybody else can live, but the you know, the people who, who went through the went through the shits. <laughs> you know? What it is, man. That's the that's the modern day slavery in this country, man. So it's a system. The system wasn't created by us. We had no input into how to create the system. Um, the system is corrupt. And, you know, we are just um, just widgets, you know, in the prison system. And Do you think there is a, there is a, a good thing and doing what Akon was saying, well, we should come back to Africa. Like, do you think there there is money to be made there? Um, without question, because it is the motherland. Um, there is so much just opportunity, you know, but I think the only way for it to truly work is if we could get there as a collective. And I mean, shit. If 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 Trump get elected again, you'll see more and more black people moving to Africa. I can guarantee that. You think so? Without question, because yeah. what's happened? I mean, there are a lot of people that are um, um, African Americans that are leaving the country, and you know, actually have no intentions on coming back because they're working with international companies. You know, it, it's a little different if, you know, your your job calls you and says, hey, you know, here's an opportunity in Switzerland. You know, you might be able to take that, but just packing up your family and all of that, I think that I means shit, man. A lot of us don't have the capital to be able to do things like that. So I think it's a good thing. I think I'm going to be working on uh, solidifying myself more in that realm. But at first, I want to get uh, get some things squared away here and get my hands deeper into some things that uh, that are here. But yeah. I'll have to tell you about what I'm thinking outside of here because I don't want to share. Okay. But from what I understand, it, it is a good it's a good thing to do. But I think it, it will be more so of working on an actual realistic plan to stay there, be there, and make it a, a, a financial opportunity, not just to just live, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, 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 for sure. I just don't want to be there. But uh, 
I also want to do AfricanAncestry.com to make sure I know uh, how deep my bloodline runs there or if it's somewhere else. I know on my mom's side, my cousin did it, and it shows that we're 38% um, uh, from Cameroon and the people of Togo, I think it was, and we're part of the Bantu people. So um, that's cool to know, but his bloodline is also from his dad, you know, I know his mom is my aunt, but his dad married into the family. So um, I definitely, I, I, that's something I definitely want to do. I was talking to uh, Pooh about doing that with me and um, she said she wants to do it. So I definitely want to see how far the blood, the blood runs, where it runs to. So I, I want to find that out and then I can build on top of that and start making plans around that. So just speaking on that, man, um, I've been to a couple international weddings, man, and I get, I get like moved because they have this culture that they can tap into. Yeah. And in this ceremony, all you see is culture. And at a black at some point, right? When you see like, like all we did was jump over a broom, which was still something that we did when we were slaves. You know, we did it as slaves, but now it's become doctrine in which we're doing it in our um, our weddings because that's the only you know, routine or ritual that is cultural with us. And I'm like, I get fucking so disappointed and sad, man. Like. At such a joyous occasion, I mean, because we really don't have a culture. Our culture was fucking beaten to us. Yeah, and that's one of the other things that inspired me to, to travel, right? When you're listening to so many people talking about, oh, I went to Canada or I went to uh, Turks and Caicos or, you know, actually I'm from the UK, but I came over here for this, that, and the third. And, you know, it all that is what kind of, well, not kind of, it is what inspired me to travel more and move around the globe more. But that that feeling, what you're saying, like black culture, we've created so much. We've given the world uh, country music, rock and roll. We've given the world all these things, but everyone else appropriates it and makes it look like it's not ours. And like we didn't do nothing, had nothing with it. But the culture of being able to do something so simple as a wedding ceremony, you know, like those are things that elude us because we don't have it, it's been snatched from us. And, and everything that we tried to create, someone else tries to, to, to capitalize off of it instead of us just being left the fuck alone to do what we wanna do. So um, I definitely understand what you're saying because I went to some weddings, bro, and you're sitting there watching the ceremonies, you know, yo, this is pretty cool, man. It's different or it might be a little long-winded when it's right, happening. Right, right. You, you're like, yo, I, I, I don't have that. I don't have that, you know what I mean? So what we do at funerals, we do the electric slide. Yeah. I mean, we still have a good time. You know, I mean, we don't have a good time. Anywhere we are, we don't have a good time. But, you know, just looking at the whole picture of, of what it is in comparison to what it could be, you know, um, yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's, it's bothersome, man. It's, it's one of those things that are just, that is just, really irritating when you're sitting there and you're thinking about, you know, um, the Jewish community has ceremonies, like just different people have. Every fucking community, except for us, man. Yeah. 
and like I said, you know, when you bring it up to, to other African-Americans, the thing is, oh, well, we jumped the broom. Okay, the reason we jumped the broom is because we weren't allowed to actually get married. And jumping the broom is the closest thing that signifies that we are married as slaves. Like, that's where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's disappointing, man. It's disappointing. I mean, you know, it is what it is. That's just part of our struggle. It's part of our story, man. It's just, yeah. Yeah. No. Hey, man, I think it's about time for me to. Uh, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's go ahead and wrap this up, man. My bro, I appreciate you for linking up with me and, and doing this. I've had a good time. I love yes, you, man. And hopefully when you get some more time, we can do it again. Maybe when it's more sports going on, we can talk some shit, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm gonna let you go ahead and get to it, man. I appreciate you, bro. Love right, you. Man. I truly appreciate you giving me the opportunity to uh, sit here and chat with you, man, and catch up. And one thing I forgot to say, man, we didn't even tell the people that will be uh, listening to this or watching it how we known each other. So we grew up in the same church. Okay. So, um, to the point where we got our ass whooped in the middle of the church service uh, in front of the congregation because- I don't even remember. <laughs> uh, we were writing gang signs on the, remember that. the bathroom. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, really? Mother York tore us up in the middle of service, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember this, man. Are you serious? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They probably beat the hell out of me so bad. I, you know, I, <laughs> you I, like which time? <laughs> I'm so traumatized. I don't, I, you know, I don't forgot. You know. Yeah. And we got whipped in front of the church. I got whooped so many times though, like that was just like a, a regular thing for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Crazy, man. Yo, but we, hey, and not to, this is not to condone this type of behavior, but right. we did grow up around some real live gangsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some <laughs> yeah. Super real, like yeah, official. Yeah, yeah. Everywhere, yeah. like everywhere we went. Everywhere. Everywhere we went, we, they was told, yo, don't fuck with them. Don't fuck with them. They off limits. They can yep. get whatever they want out here. Yep. Yeah, I'm not saying that to condone or say that it's okay to be involved in any any illegal activity, but I'm I'm just saying, like the the background is it, it run deep. That's just what it is, man. It's, <laughs> it's real, bro. Yeah, yeah, but bro, again, I love you, man. I appreciate you, brother. Uh, until next time, my guy. All right, man. Yes, sir. Peace. Peace.